We are back. It's episode two of Not The Jordan Show with me, Jordan Elgott, looking at some of the biggest stories in football. Hello, Asan. Hello, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm I'm hot and bothered, but no, I'm, I'm really good. Well, uh, Manchester's one week of summer has just come to an end, so uh, we're back to big coat weather, but it's sun shining today. I was just thinking, though, last week's show, we uh, we discussed the Spanish FA president, didn't we? Luis Rubiales. Yes. And his inappropriate behaviour following the Women's World Cup. He's finally resigned, but he took his time, didn't he? <laughs> I, I didn't actually realise that he had resigned. It shows how plugged in I am. Have you not seen it with the uh, Piers Morgan interview? He did an interview with Piers Morgan. Wow, I do live on a rock, don't I? There you go. Well, all it came out of nowhere, really. Piers Morgan just released that he um, he got the scoop. So they released the, I think it was Monday night, that they released the clip of Rubiales resigning. Uh, but he came to London and did a two-hour interview with Piers Morgan. So he's done very well to to get that for himself. But he's, he's finally gone. I didn't expect it to take that long. Well, I mean, I was I was pretty surprised that he didn't resign immediately, but I knew that it would happen eventually. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I think there's legal cases to come as well. And uh, last week we had Steve with us discussing that. This week we have Stefan. Stefan, hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Really, really happy to have you on. Um, I feel like we've got something of a celebrity with us this week because last time I heard your voice you were mixing it with Simon Jordan on TalkSport what, what was that experience like? Standard right? It's actually it's quite interesting because quite a few people said uh, that you know I should dissuade him of his views uh, which I, I then did without really thinking about it but of course actually it is live a live debate with somebody he's not uh uncredible um and does you know obviously does know some stuff so i don't know maybe it was a bit stupid to do it actually but it seems to be okay i mean you know he uh, he seemed to defer to me uh to some extent so i can't i can't complain too much they said nice things Stu- you know stupid in what way to do it well, I don't know. Live, you know as well as I do, live radio is, and actually with a video, uh, so it's actually live on YouTube, uh, there is a certain skill to doing live radio, right? Yeah, there is. Um, I, I also thought that, um, well, on TalkSport, they have ads every 15 minutes. So I was listening to you, well, I was actually listening to Simon Jordan talk quite a lot at you, and then they paused for a five-minute ad break, and then you're sort of expected to come back. That's it, which is obviously difficult. Um, I know you'll have come up against far more daunting opposition and far more daunting situations in your in your you know career. But as you say, it's a different environment. It's a broadcasted uh, debate that happens live. Did you have any nerves for it? Because for those who don't know, and there will be a few who actually don't know who Simon Jordan is and the significance of it. He is the former Crystal Palace owner, and he is known as a bit of a nightmare to debate with uh, on his daily radio show on TalkSport. So were there any nerves when you first started doing the debate? 
Uh, well, I mean, again, look, you're always, you know what it's like on, doesn't matter how confident you are in the material. And I am confident in that material. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't put forward the view that I put forward about Chelsea without having worked on it for quite a long time in, in term, it, you know, relatively speaking, obviously, you know, it's not the day job, but um, and in fairly sure of my footing and of the detail and I think it's like any scenario where where you're giving a view. And to be honest, it's it's what I, I try, aside from pure footballing opinion, where I'm not qualified whatsoever, if I'm giving an opinion in respect to football financial stuff, uh, I try and make sure that it's properly sourced, properly considered, that I've tested myself uh, and the assumptions you know, quite robustly and the modeling that I did and that came to the view and the view in terms of just in a nutshell on Chelsea is that they have decided to be happy to breach financial fair play on the basis that any fine uh, will one, be monetary and two, will effectively just be a cost of doing business that will allow them to get to where they want to get to quicker than they ordinarily would be able to if they abided by FFP. And therefore, all of the all of these articles, and including Simon Jordan's own analysis of how are they doing it, all kind of miss the point to an extent. So there's an explanation from an accountancy perspective, but actually if the strategy is to fail and not be overly concerned about failing, well, then you have to put into the mix quite a few other considerations. And therefore, I was pushing forward that that view. Uh, I, I wouldn't have put that view forward unless I was comfortable with the with the facts supporting it. And so, you know, I, I was I was confident in in putting that view forward and, and in anything that uh, Simon could have could have said. And, and to be honest, the previous day, I'd taken to pieces a, a very, very widely um, circulated uh, Chelsea a fine analysis by by him, which was wrong in in so many ways. And so, you know, one if you if you go if you go uh, you know heads up uh, against somebody like him, you need to be fairly sure about on your footing because he's not stupid and does have some valuable experience and does understand a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the important bits. So. Um, I think you know. I, I think it, it went. It seemed to have gone down quite well. So yeah, I'll do it again. I, I, I thought you did really well in in like a, as I say, a very testing environment, a very challenging environment to get your point across in a limited time period. Um, and we are going to stick with that topic for the first part of this show. We're going from White and Jordan to Jordan and Asan. Hopefully, we're a <laughs> oh, less challenging environment to debate it in. But we're going to stick with Chelsea's transfer business and their sort of financial modelling. You've clearly set out what your view was at the time, Stefan, in terms of when you went on White and Jordan and, and gave that view that Chelsea are disregarding financial fair play. I presume, given that I believe you went on the show a few days before the end of the transfer window, um, and then they went on to sign Cole Palmer as well, I presume that you still believe that's the case. And ju- just give us a sort of overview in your mind of where Chelsea are at financially. Well, look, the situation has become even more interesting, I think, since I since I went on that show because 
what's happened since that they did sell Hall on a on a um, a loan with an obligation. Uh, the way that will be modelled in Newcastle's books uh, is probably that it will be recognised in the. Uh, 24-25 season, but it will be recognised in this season for Chelsea. So some people would say, well, there you go. They obviously are bothered about FFP because otherwise, why would you sell? Why would you sell Hall? And that's quite an important point because I'm not suggesting that they're happy to fail by, say, £200 million. They're happy to fail, but clearly the bigger the failure and the bigger the miss on the number, the more the noise is going to be there for them to be very severely punished. And the bid, the big, the big issue that they've got is it's all very well taking a financial penalty of 10, 20, 30 million pounds. What's more difficult to cope with is a sporting sanction. And the more that they fail and the larger they fail by, the more risk that they have that they'll end up with a sporting sanction. And a sporting sanction of points clearly could move the dial between qualification for the Europa, for the Champions League, for a league title, for whatever. And they can't really, uh, in all good conscience, risk that happening. So I believe that as part of the process as we got towards the transfer window, they were looking at it and going, we're happy to fail. We factored in we probably will fail because to the only really work, the only real way of not failing would to would be would have been to have sold Probably Gallagher, um, uh, Char, um, and probably one other big, big ticket player. Uh, you know, Matson would have been a great one to sell uh, for 30 million quid. So if they could have sold all three at the top price that they wanted, so they wanted something like 35 for Chalabar, let's say they wanted 50 for, for Gallagher, let's say they wanted 30 for Matson. If they'd have sold all those players, you know, that moves the dial by 130 of profit plus, let's say, another 15 million quid of wages saved. You're starting to get into the realms of not being that far away, maybe 40, 50 million quid. But what actually happened was was much worse than that. Uh, what actually happened is on the last couple of days of the window, they sign Palmer. So, you know, you can work on the basis of that being somewhere in the order. 5 million quid of amortization per annum plus another 5 million quid of salary uh, for the next seven years. So that's 10 million quid away from the target. And then on top of that, fail to sell Gallagher, fail to sell Chalabar, fail to sell Matson, fail to loan um, Cucurella, um, ended up keeping Saar. Um, those are just off the top of my head. So they ended up with this enormous swing from where they wanted to be. And so I think actually uh, the the stuff since I was on that show actually reinforces that they are miles away from uh, meeting financial fair play for the current season. And uh, I, I don't see how, given that the window is now shut until January, I don't see how they, they get around it even in January. Uh, even if they were to successfully sell, let's say, those those players that I mentioned before, um, so I think they're in. I think they've got a really big challenge, um, and and that challenge only gets bigger if they fail to qualify for Europe in the in the forthcoming seasons. Because without Europe, they're doing four hundred million revenue 
whereas last season they did 500. That's the scale of the difference. Hmm. When will the chickens hey, come um, home to roost, Stefan? Sorry, Jordan, let me just ask Stefan this. Something that, something that it feels really unclear to me is how and when... Um, whether it's financial fair play or financial sustainability rules, what, however you want to characterize them in the Premier League, like how are they administered? How is that going to work? Well, well, so there's quite a lot of new rules that have just come in. They were sort of slipped in without anybody making a big deal about them uh, in the summer, and uh, I did tweet about them earlier in the summer, and then they were um, then they were in an article by Martin Ziegler uh, last week. So what's happened is that the Premier League has said to the clubs. Or, or really the clubs have said to the Premier League, uh, we, we don't want any more of this Manchester City situation where it goes on and on for years and years. Um, now, put to one side that this misses the point about City, misses the point about what the City case is about, and misses the, misses the point that City wouldn't be captured by these new rules anyway because the City case is so complex. But the starting point was we can't have a situation where we're investigating one of our members for four years and then it takes another X number of years to actually produce an outcome. So they all wanted to put in a whole set of quite stringent new rules. And so those new new rules require the clubs by the 31st of December of a given year, so uh, the for the accounts that finished MoClubs on the 30th of June this year, i.e. last season's accounts, they're required to file them with the Premier League in final form by the 31st of December. The Premier League then has a short period to analyse all sets of accounts before laying any charges in respect of um, what's known as profit and sustainability breaches, i.e. FFP, Premier League FFP. They have to do that. I think it's within 12 weeks. The whole process, the hearing, the uh, submissions and the judgment has to then be in place by the 1st of June of, that, uh, of, of the following year. So effectively, what they're saying is we want a scenario now where within the next season after the set of accounts to which they relate, we can process uh, a penalty penalty on the team. So for example, I don't know, let's say Notts Forest breached for last year, which I think they'll be quite close. I don't know whether they, they might be okay. They might not. I mean, they spent so much money last year that if they'd have got relegated, they definitely would have breached. As they stayed up, maybe they're okay. But let's say they breached. They will file their accounts before the end of this year. Those accounts, the, the Premier League will look at them, say, you failed the test. They will lay the charges. Those charges will be fairly vanilla in that you breached the profit and sustainability test for the season just gone, 22-23. There will then be a hearing that will happen in, let's say, March. Uh, At that hearing, they will put forward all the reasons why they didn't breach or they will admit it. And in time for effectively the end of the season, the league will have a view as to what the penalty will be. And that's particularly important where there's a big miss and where the league may wish to um, impute a level of um, penalty, uh, sporting penalty. Because what they want to do is have a scenario where if if they need to deduct points, they do it in the very first season after the offence occurred. 
Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our content, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.